Welcome, Camilla Bainey, my beautiful dear friend to One Space Love Podcast. So good to have you. <laughs> really good to be here and we're literally to run into you. I know. Um, two weeks ago and I hadn't seen you for so long and it was all perfect as ever. <laughs> we're all kind of creeping out of the woodwork and it's interesting who we, who we run into and who we're connecting with at this time, you know. It's, it's very interesting, very interesting. Isn't right? it? let's just go straight i want to go straight in and get you to introduce yourself and then let's go in and talk about this time because it is a particular interesting time that we are all experiencing and definitely showing us who we are in flow with and who we are aligned with at the moment so could you introduce yourself to the listeners by answering the statement i am i am i am a fire horse, last time I checked, 66 baby, um, born through the revolution and um, then, you know, survived the 80s. Um, <laughs> I, I had these coexisting relationships with music and spirituality from birth. I started off in the Maronite Rite with uh, my Lebanese Christian family. So we used to hear the the mass in Aramaic, and then we had, you know, all the diehard Latin mass was going on then. All of our families were having secret Latin masses in the backyard. Funny, crazy journeys then into the music industry, you know, mm. via Osho in the 80s and yoga, mad Ashtanga yoga, the, 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 the tourist attraction of Byron Bay through the 90s. It was a pretty amazing journey. And then from there, somehow the music and, you know, the spirituality kind of morphed together and, and I really started kind of walking in that path where both of those hemispheres kind of united and mm. had a mad kind of 15 years in a Kirtan frenzy and Bhakti land, you know, just diving into the depths of, of sacred India and initiations and amazing, amazing journeys. Sun is now 20 and here I am like, oh, okay, what's next? Where are we going from here? And really what the universe keeps throwing at me is countless students, you know, just students of both hemispheres. And so I've been doing a lot of teaching these days at the ripe old age of 54 <laughs> and, and loving that, you know, some, somehow just really loving surrendering to it, realising that I'm probably like, well, I am a grandmother now and what does a grandmother of the tribe do, you know? Um, it's a different journey now, you mm. know, and that's where I'm at as a, in a crossroads now, sort of choosing the path that is going to most have meaning, I think, you know, and be of most use to the community. Yeah. I think, like, usefulness is something that means a lot to me. Um, having a, a, a role to play in the community is a, is a beautiful thing. Helps the world go around, I think. Rudolf Steiner was just, you know, all about the future being about small little cells that support each other, that stay close to the earth, that, you know, the, the, the kids, they know who their local post office man is. They know who, you know, you know, there's this sense of community and, and that's kind of where I think my focus is now. Not so much flying around the world, but what can we do here? You know? mm. Being of value, isn't it? How can you be of value at the moment? Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Well, I mean, where to go from there? Because, <laughs> I mean, let's just start, come back to now in these current times. How have you yeah. found it, you know, emotionally and as a musician? Well, as a musician, I've been heartbroken. Um, you know, it's now coming into December and you know, we're usually gearing up for our big summer festivals or whatever, and we're just kind of waiting, you know, to hear if we can even sing. And, you know, as much as I, 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 I'm a rebel, I, I, again, trying to support the community and Yoga Australia, we're all, you know, we're working together as 
responsible citizens, but, you know, um, feeling like very stifled as a musician. Um, you know, it, it, it's a real challenge. We, we, I, I did a lot of online concerts this year, which was beautiful. Um, Mantra Mondays, we had some beautiful times there during COVID. But in the end, and I was teaching yoga all week long on Zoom, and, you know, I was, like, getting vertigo and just, like, wow. reached a point around, <laughs> around August where it was just like, ah, can't stare at another screen, you know. It's not the object of music. Um, and so I have been having to really increase, for me, my sadhana, my meditation. Yeah. Um, yeah. Inc- you know, take just slow down for the first time, but starting to connect with people who really care about issues that are really important to me, that have been important to me since I was first, you know, in the nursing, in, in, when I was nursing and I saw a lot of malpractice, mm. um, not the other one who saw a lot of malpractice and misuse of medications. And, we, uh, and I do feel that through the, this whole COVID journey that we are being forced to look at what our priorities are in health. And I think that a lot of people have missed the point, you know, that a lot of people have been speaking up because they value the health of their children and the children and the health of the planet. Um, So it's been difficult for me, the fear around COVID, the fear around the vaccinations, you know, so many people just can't tolerate vaccinations, Mm -hmm. you know. Some can, some can't, you know. So, well, I've seen so much division. I think that was the saddest thing was, um, you know, someone on my thread making a joke about making Australia great again and then someone else on my thread jumping on and saying, gee, I didn't know you were magus, you know, Camilla. Good luck to you. God bless you. Flick, you know. (laughs) Um, you know, I'm Australian, I, I don't, you know, I'm standing back and I'm watching very carefully, but, um, you know, both sides have got their pluses and minuses. I don't want to get into politics because yeah. that's a whole other story. But what I'm talking about is how to, uh, the fear factor that came in to the suburbs like a dark cloud, you know, this year. It was terrifying going to the supermarkets and seeing old people struggling and, you know, the, the terror in their faces, old people not being able to find any sanitizer in the supermarket. Oh, yeah. And, and, and what, you know, it's about, I think, really people that have had a spiritual practice, what are you drawing upon to help not, you know, help with that fear that's arising and to help expand that vibration and shift it? What, you know, what tools were helping you? So was it extending your practice? Yeah, it, it was actually, because I think I could have gone and hid under a, a bushel um, this year because yeah. I'm so tired, like we all are from city living. And um, But actually what saved me was maintaining the classes that I run a, a beautiful yoga studio from home yep. in the forest and just pushing on and maintaining, okay, we've done... 35 years of this practice, well, what is it if we can't put it into action, you know, now? Um, so it was like calling on all those what we call the warrior tasks, you know, panic attacks in the middle of the night, you know, stomach stomach churning, all these kinds of things can be worked on using yoga and breath and meditation. And then, you know, the chanting on Monday nights just... The weeks that we didn't do it, it felt so stodgy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> stodgy is the word, like stuck in the mud, stuck in Maya, stuck in the body. And those Monday nights when we'd have two hours, we just had it on Zoom, had a few people in the room. It was like the next day, it was like waking up on a cloud of mm. heavenly, you know. And it became really clear to those of us who were doing it, it's like, this is, this is a necessity now. Let's yeah. let's go there to the bhakti music. Now you're saying that, that you grew up and introduced to Osho. What drew you to the Hare Krishna movement? Where where was that that yeah, shift and introduction? 
because you are a big part of the bhakti music industry in Australia, all around Australia, particularly Sydney. Um, you were definitely at the forefront of that movement. Um, and I know myself and Chris Hooper were there, you know, bringing those events to Sydney and, and Melbourne and, you know, as well as many people, Kate Little, another beautiful soul that was there. So how were you introduced? Because you were quite heavily into the Hare Krishna movement. The lights changed. Is it okay? Didn't you see that? Yeah. <laughs> 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 um, oh, you know, I was obsessed with the Beatles. You know, I grew up in. I was okay. In, yes. And and I was in love with George Harrison, and I followed their spiritual journey. And being on a pretty intense kind of, you know, Orthodox Christian journey, but a little kind of rock and roll fan. Yeah. You know, uh, we were led, you know, to that to that journey. Uh, the Beatles' own spiritual journey and. I think the first, you know, Sanskrit I heard was uh, probably across the universe and, and my sweet Lord, across the universe, I think that came first. Um, yeah. And Jai Guru Dave, mm. you know. And uh, there was the attraction um, to their spiritual journey. And, but then it didn't really kick in for me until I left home and, and was at drama school and found the Indian guru. Okay. <laughs> the corrupted, you know, wild Indian guru, um, straight from the Catholic Church to Bhagwan Sri Rajneesh. I mean, whoa. <laughs> anyway, his teachings were extraordinary and undeniably life-affirmingly transforming in every possible way, on every okay. level. Um, just a little unruly. The, the, there was no um, system, I guess it was the pathless path that he taught and it was wild um and it was during that time i think i blew all my chakras <laughs> out yeah. of the water a million times over you know we were all living in these mansions in in, in Vaucluse, 25 room mansions all you know spending a little bit on rent each week and then coming together and meditating three times a day and having the most extraordinary parties that were very uh, extraordinary uh, spiritual journey, that whole thing. And that was all in the eastern suburbs. And it, I was at drama school, but it was so powerful and transforming that I, I quit drama school and I gave up ambition for the guru. You know, I, I, I sensed that ambition was this noose around my neck and it was stopping my, you know, spiritual progress. So I gave it all up and became like an urban bum, <laughs> a dharma bum. And took up meditation in a very, very powerful way. So powerful. I think I probably went too far and ended up in Byron like we all did in those days. It was kind of Paddington, Bondi, off to Byron, you know. That was the journey. <laughs> and back again often when yeah, Byron yeah. Got, too much ley line, you know. Yeah. Too many Rajneesh men. <laughs> anyway, back to that. I want that. some juicy stories here too. <laughs> the book. <laughs> anyway, so um, and then you know my beautiful friend Rachel Zinman, she's uh, a, a, a darling yoga teacher from Byron, um, via New York, another fire horse. She said, "Oh, you've got it." I was, I, I ended up in the music industry up there. I ended up in bands and full blown. It was just, I'd always sang, but I never anticipated a, a musical career wow. but so a part of me mm. you know and um so we had this amazing band up there and it broke, broke house records it was called viva la bimba and it was like a 45 piece you know incredible interesting band we moved from samba to all kinds we we worked with indian ragas we were pop we were mm. dancing pretty special band and um a lot happened at that time so Rachel introduced me to Dina, the local Ashtanga yoga teacher. And okay. she said, I think you'll love it. I think you'll love it. Yeah. Ten years later, you know, Ashtanga grabbed me by the throat, really, and all of us, and we burnt out on Ashtanga two and a half hours a day, 15 years, you know, going through that whole first series, you know, every day as your basics. It was very intense and, again, more chakra-blowing. 
But this was all leading to something. I feel like that, that the journey was kind of cleansing the anatas, you know, the imprints from mm. the scars of the past. And, and then I had always been very attracted to Krishna and Prabhupada from the 70s when I was given a book by the Hurries and my best friend and I ran up the back and we were reading the Bhagavad Gita like it was contraband, you know, and we saw <clears throat> the picture of the soul the, the human being migrating and the soul through birth and disease, old age and death and passing through to another birth. All the artwork, actually, the, this extraordinary spiritual artwork that Srila Prabhupada personally supervised was so, it, it got us, you know. And, uh, but it wasn't until so many years later that after a, an Ashtanga class, there was, the Haris were singing in, in, in a, and I was, yeah transformed then someone taught me to chant and i was chanting japa and it transformed my whole body and being and i think then i just <clears throat> basically you know dived into bhakti in a very powerful way you know another 15 years and going and finding initiation in in, in rindavan and going to krishna's birthplace but the music the music it was like the music most unbelievably beautiful devotional music I'd ever heard in my life mm. and I had to wrap my tonsils around it, you know, and the Sanskrit was attracting me from the first yoga class. It's another sacred language, you know, like like Latin, like Hebrew, like Aramaic, they have a, like the, the Greek, the Coptic, you know. Yes. So powerful, you know. The, the, and then, you know, um, rediscovering the, the, the language of Ireland the Irish language, all of those languages. So that was it. And I was just like completely lost. And I sort of almost vowed I'd never seen, you know, pop again. Because in the middle of all that, I had a pop career. I had an album on the pop charts. It was a I was going to say, yeah, w there was a pop career in there, wasn't there? Yeah, and that was all from Byron. That was like, yeah, my manager built a studio, which has ended up becoming an, a magnificent the popular studio, Rocking Horse Studios. Up okay, yes, yep. Had an amazing crew and, and uh, Joanne Peterson, who was at that time, she was in Excess's publishing company. She was developing me. I was on the books with Keith Urban and she wanted me to, you know, keep things very folky. But then I, I ended up working with the production team from My Sex. Um, and as we know, you know, they were the first to, to, to develop music off the Korg. They were the first, you know, computer games. All of their music was very, very futuristic, but always keyboard based and sequence based. Yeah. Yeah. So we just decided to make an album that was like a cross between Enigma. Enigma. Deep Forest. And yeah. it was kind of sitting there, but, with, but, but the pop thing was there too. And, um, and I was working with the most beautiful songwriters in the biz and it was the most unbelievable 15 months and we, we got a lot of record deal offers and so on. But a lot happened and ended up playing music for E Street. That was that really cool. I remember, yeah. I remember how pop <laughs> opera was. It's set in urban yeah. Berlin and wasn't it cool? And, uh, I was and actually, you know, more addicted to E Street than, than Home and Away or, you know, it was one of my favourite, I think, just being the age bracket I was. Yeah, and but Abby. Was a male actor in it that was great. Um, Benny. Yeah. Simon Dan cut his teeth on E Street. Yeah. They um, all kind of cut their teeth on. So the production house formed a music production company and they started, like, launching, like, Melissa and, like, number one yes. hits. Yes. To number straight to number one after the other, after the other, after the other. And I was next and they were pushing it as a, a kind of a pixie. Right? Quite a few record companies were like, no Byron hippies. <laughs> and, but, but they kind of got the picture. They were really pushing it. And just as we were about to launch the, 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 the TV station axed the series and the record company went down the tube. So my manager had to form a record company mm. and quickly get us over the line. Um, and it ended up charting as an independent all over Australia. It was in the top 20 in Adelaide, South Australia, and Queensland, and in the top 20 then over in 
Southeast Asia, uh, Singapore, oh gosh, it's such a long time ago, Singapore, uh, Taiwan, uh, Malaysia, Kuala Lumpur, and I went up to Japan, and then I ended up writing songs for Chinese artists, and this was like now in the 90s, and, and so it was, you know, I was heartbroken because of what happened, and I was like, God, really blew it, you know, but over the years, people from the industry have kind of, you know, encouraged me to pat myself on the back a little bit because the sales were, I should have been happy. I should have been yeah. happy, but I was so hard on myself at the time because, you know, it's the 80s, it's world domination. You think, you, you know, you, your managers are all like party animals and they just want everything to be big, big, big. And, and if it's not, you know, that's the paradigm. That's the, that, the paradigm, the, 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 the patriarchal paradigm that I've had to live with for mm. is that you know world domination and it's got to blow your head off and it's got to be numbers it's a numbers game numbers and game yeah so I had to let go of all that attachment and disappointment but that's really around that same time as I started chanting a lot the record company fell apart surprise almost surprise. like your safety net was the yeah. the bhakti music yeah took me away which took you on a whole nother journey didn't it yeah and so did the people you know because I come from fashion industry and then went to promoting bhakti music to world music but how, how did you find that the people fell away or were they still supporting you as you transitioned into this new movement good question Steffi thank you um, <laughs> <laughs> the people fell away <laughs> yes same in my world <laughs> Look, I'm actually starting to reconnect with some of the fashion um but yeah it just once you're not going to the a-list parties and you're in the front row they start yeah. to fall away yeah it all dropped away in fact you know yeah I had my heart broken many times by you know trying to resurrect it with you know some of the people that I worked with and and uh uh, really it, I went kicking and screaming but the universe started throwing all these singing students at me like mm. I honestly say that because that's truly what happened I can't even I think I was in Sydney I left Byron because I just wanted I just needed to ground <laughs> isn't that sound funny but actually Danny after, Ross popped up on my um Facebook feed and that he was one of your students wasn't he yeah still is at the moment actually oh together at the moment yeah beautiful I had some students who've uh, all been just doing beautiful things so I had to surrender because there was obviously something I had to share you know yeah beautiful yogi colleagues you know Kate Peterson and wonderful yoga colleagues dragging me into retreats and you know really forcing me to you know run voice workshops and you know, and somehow it all started coming together, all the theatre training and voice and all the early and the classical and the, everything started coming together into a teaching form, you know, that, mm -hmm. that, that teaching form voice in yoga, which is, you know, based so much on my spiritual journey and my spiritual practices um, and the combination of them with my art. And mm -hmm. so you know, uh, how the yoga influenced my music, how breathing influenced my voice. Um, I mean, I could just, that's a whole other, yeah, that's yeah. a whole other. Yeah. And really wanting, I think, stepping down off those lofty heights of world domination, you know, aspirations and just going, okay, how can I be of help here? Service, yeah. Yeah, service. Mm. You know and you very much were of service. I mean, going back, you know, I, 10 years now, I remember I'm just thinking one of the first events we did was the Earth, I think the Earth Day, 11-11-11, but there was more events. There was events before then, but that was one of the big events we did and you dedicated your time to create this choir with all the singers together collaborating on a song. And I remember yeah. um, you were just so welcoming to the idea and the concept and, you know, and that's just one example of how many times you've been of service to the community um, 
supporting younger artists coming through this movement, mentoring them. Exciting. That's yeah. really exciting. I, I love it. I love it. And yeah. especially women, you know, because the journey, you know, as you know, it's been very male influenced. Well, yeah. I had to, you know, even born with three brothers and no sisters and then you know and the church was very patriarchal and then and then the osho thing and then the yoga and then the hurries it's all very very heavy patriarchal my my production team you know when i had this album were all male and ah man it's tough it's really tough not that we don't love males. I mean, there's some very sensitive, great males in the industry. I just want to say that, but, but it can be tough, yeah. I've dedicated my life to them, so yeah. they love them. Um, but um, to find your voice as a woman, even down to musically, even down to, you know, I, used to, I had a very loud voice and quite often in the recording process, you know, they'd say, just soften it, just soften it, just soften it. Just turn it down, just turn it down, you know, and and it's just the, the woman's journey, you know, mm -hmm. and um, and I think for a lot of women learning and growing up in, in the industry, you kind of lend yourself to them and you give your power to them and you let them teach you and guide you, you know, mm -hmm. and that has its pluses and its minuses. And um, for me now, you know, to step away when I did those devotional albums, it was just... It was just me, my production for the first time, um, you know, and and what and and how did it sound? Having taken the production power back again, mm. you know, how did that feel and how did that sound as a woman, you know? So I really like to encourage the young, you know, women to take that, take their power back and musically and creatively and. To work with other women and you know to there's a lot of female producers out there and it's just a different journey you know mm. it's a very different journey and listening to that intuition and trusting it even when you're listening to other people's opinions just to know that your intuition is a guiding force for you yeah that's right and and to hold your own in that like to hold that mm. um and I think it's easier for the younger female generation to trust than it is for our generation to trust. Um, yeah. We were taught to second guess, I think, a lot of the time as young girls. You know, we were taught to be polite when we perhaps might have needed to be calling things out. Mm. Um, that thought, that's, the, the, that's the thread that I'm sort of feeling into, that finding our voice as a woman in all ways, you know, mm. in, in writing, in music, in, in, as a, as in the way that we raise our children, um, in what we allow into the bodies of our children, you know. Uh, we need more trust in our feminine intuition. Yeah. Trust once you start, it just gets stronger and stronger and stronger and the older you get it just gets even better and that's that's the beautiful payoff of getting past 50 is that you know it's getting easier mm. the wisdom yeah yeah now i've been alongside you when you've supported some of my favorite bhakti musicians um what were some of the highlight because you've been over to play at bhakti fest as well um, what were some of the highlight moments for you or some of your, you know, you got to play with Jai Utal, Dave Str many, many. I mean, can you share some moments with us? Yeah, actually, um, I think probably the most beautiful moment for me in, in Bhakti, modern Bhakti history, apart from all my journeys to India, those things happen like they're not happening even in the world, like they're in the spiritual world. They can't mm. even just those ones you know um <clears throat> being in temples that are five thousand years old you know um hearing the songs of the residents of these sacred cities is just the most powerful thing for me um but uh bhakti fest mm. maybe the go very hot days you know it's in summer and it's in the desert in joshua tree and joshua tree has hieroglyphs that are 
from another civilization you know it's been discovered recently and the stars are just i mean there's just there's civilizations going on all around you you know mm. it's seen and unseen and uh with the saturday night of bhakti fest and there's you know i don't know 15 20,000 peeps and there's krishna das just krishna das and his harmonium yeah and his shirt you know in the dust and all of the beautiful bhakti community of musicians all sitting in the wings right you know just and it's like 103 degrees and it's still and the the desert air you know and krishna das just in his full humility with his head down and his full attention to the chant his yeah. full attention to the mantra it was mind-blowing for all of us and i don't think any of us will ever get over the potency and how you can feel that it carved into the ether you know spiritual love was carved into the ether around us and well, i can think you say that again i love that spiritual love was carved into the ether around us mm -hmm. because that's what happens mm -hmm. with these uh, these prayers they're so potent um, the Sanskrit is particularly all of it, but the Sanskrit that I'm talking about is so potent that it, it carves the sediment out of our heart. It gets in there. It gets in there by sound because sound vibration penetrates matter. So when the sound vibration is heard by the ears, it literally comes in. Now, why is it? I'm describing it almost like a physical thing. Um, because sound vibration penetrates matter, imagine what sacred sound vibration does. So we all know the sound of a drill at the dentist or the bloody leaf blowers. Yeah. <laughs> Today morning and how they, you know, so it gets in. We know that sound gets in. But when we experience those irritating noises, we understand that that vibration hits us on a cellular level. Yeah. Yeah. And the, the polyvagal theory of, um, you know, breath work and meditation and mm -hmm. yoga and chanting, taking us into the, um, oh gosh, it's gone from my head. Um, the, uh, anyway, the, the, the calm state, <laughs> it'll come. Parasympathetic um, nervous system. Like, yeah. Yes. Parasympathetic yeah. nervous system. Yeah. So that makes sense because the, the vagus nerve wraps yeah. around, back of the throat mm. that's not a sign you know and then it connects instigates initiates and comes right down into the gut the pelvis, so pelvis yeah happens in the gut and whatever we're thinking in the head will reflect in the gut you mm -hmm. know? so when we're praying prayers that have literally descended from the spiritual platform like all spiritual languages they do have an otherworldly constitution and so they're pure and we're like jiva soul we're a little bit human a little bit divine a little bit devil a little bit divine and but when we hear these prayers they actually come in like an earworm yep. and the blessings because of the purity and the shakti the life force it waters the love the, the seed of love in the heart and mm -hmm. and we have those samskaras from from lifetimes i believe yes we see that don't we when we look at our children we see that something has been brought in you know you yes know, someone, like your little sienna she's a little yeah. single angel you know she always had that she Mama. always had it yeah yeah <laughs> Yeah, so that's that's the power of that that feeling of the purification effect of these practices and how I don't think I would have survived this here without them. Most definitely, say I would not have survived this year without them. Mm. Yeah. I mean, I remember when I was giving birth to the twins, I was chanting Krishna Das's Hare Krishna. So. Mm. That actually literally turned um, Alex, who was stuck, um, he actually turned around while I was chanting and came out much to the doctor's surprise. So, yeah, very powerful. And <laughs> I love how you're sharing it for everyone because not all the listeners know what 
bhakti music is and as a definition, you know, that it's a whole other genre in the music industry that yeah. is becoming more mainstream now and more recognised. Yes, yes. And, and, but it's, it's interesting because I've come through, you know, a bit of a journey where, you know, the, I found a lot of disappointment in the temples and the churches and all the institutions and yes. um, kind of have come go to, there a little bit, you know, what happened in that. Well, <laughs> yeah, yeah. days, um, I just came up against that, I guess, that, that patriarchal construct again, you know, duh, what was I thinking? Of course, it's bound to be there where there's a god or a goddess or some kind of representation of, of God on earth where human beings will then build an institution around it. And then yeah. sort of that became a little unsavory to me. Um, I, I, you know, on every single one of my religious journeys, I've come upon a point where one has to compromise. And that compromise you see in religions where they're becoming corporations now. They, mm. they are corporations. And... There's always going to be an incredible uh, sense of compromise when anything that represents God starts to um, starts to turn it into a business mm. uh, or a power above others. Yes, an authority, you know, mm. business and authority. And I, I just, I, I, I'm an old lady now. I can't. I don't, I just want to work it out for myself, you know, and that sense of feeling like I need to represent, um, I've always had that sense of feeling like I need to represent and that has kind of been taken from me now, which I'm happy about because I just want to now tell stories and I just want to come back to who I was before all of the, the spiritual fanfare, mm. um, I, I that that sense of bearing your heart in in front of an audience and showing your love for you know the divine in front of the audience is very intense. It's very mm. very intense. And um, I kind of this year you know pulled it back to just my spiritual practice, and that was very very powerful. And then as a result, I'm writing a lot of songs in English, and you mm. know just just exploring the story, you know, of divine love in my heart and my relationship to the earth. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. So it sounds like, you know, for a majority of your life you were seeking and you found different institutions. How, what have you, you know, where are you at now with, with God and divine universe, all these words, where, do you res where does that reside for you now? Yeah, it's... Not um, in a very grounded way it's like <clears throat> um, chopping wood collecting water keep it simple um, you know connect to the song lines of our native yep. nations people and honoring spirit of place and trying to facilitate community and you know my my vegetarianism and just just the quiet quieter ways of of expressing my spirituality. Mm. Still getting up in the morning and and having a really lighting a candle and having some really deep chants. You know, just just me. Yeah, so, what are some of your practices, Camilla, that you still carry through from all those different you know lineages that you you learnt? What what are some things now that you do in a daily practice? To keep you so youthful, you said old lady, and I would say I, I would say a very youthful lady here. <laughs> I mean, radiating, not not old lady. Let's let's remove that, cancel, delete. <laughs> All right, we'll wait till I'm sixty for that. Yeah, no, I don't think we need to use that. <laughs> I know. So, I remember being at your your birthday. I think that that would have been would that have been yes. the was yeah, a big one. Years? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And um, that was beautiful. Yeah. yeah. I'm loving being older. I'm loving it. So um, 
the question was, what, what daily, what so some of the practices that you carry through now daily? Well, I always do a puja before I teach my yoga classes and that's just been a beautiful thing. I'm offering up the class, you know, I'm offering up the fruits of the so class. So explain puja to us, to, to the listeners. So it's an offering. So on your altar you can have whatever significant um, persons, representations of God that mean something to you. That can be anything. You know, um, for me, I have a very, very intense collection of, you know, of guess, the, 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 the divine that mm -hmm. I honour. And um, that, that I've, I've got my beautiful picture of Christ, whom I grew up loving as a little Catholic. You know, I had very powerful experiences with Christ and I feel Christ's reincarnation on at this time quite powerfully um you know there's my beautiful deities of krishna and radha there's my beautiful ganapati uh, ganesh um i have um beautiful pictures of teachers um past and i also offer with flowers uh fragrant flowers from the garden i i offer with beautiful incense um perfumes uh candle flames um and sing specific mantras for morning you know a lot of gayatri because gayatri is very powerful at sunrise we're doing a lot of work with gayatri mantra at our sunrise classes mm -hmm. you know it's a sunrise lunchtime and sunset just like the angelus when we were at catholic school we had to stand up and sing sing the angelus so it just has continued on for me that rhythm of some kind of singing you know um but the thing that really i think saved me was forest this year like just dived into the forest every day mm. and you know explored this amazing forest around here um at kuringai national parks and down at Barara Waters, you know, going down really, really early down to the Barara Waters at, you know, about five o'clock in the morning and then taking the beautiful walk beside the river, chanting Japa. Um, and so I just do it that way now, more, less formalised and more, you know, where I can and as part of my daily life, you know, trying to offer my food, you know, trying to play spiritual music wherever i can feeling a prayer of gratitude in my heart connecting to the earth is just you know so important earthing i just felt for our friends in manhattan melbourne melbourne this, yeah unbelievable i probably would have been wrestling with my sanity mm. time and time again if i wasn't able to get my feet in the earth this year mm. And just little groups, you know, making sure that the, that the yoga community in this area isn't alone, finding ways to connect and, and, and connect to the elderly in the community. That was another really big one. So, mm. A lot of lonely people. The desert winds are calling you back home. You were telling me before we went live, what, what is um, the significance of this piano? Um, my ex-husband, Dale Neuer, is a wonderful, amazing, extraordinary composer. He was kind of one of the first new age composers that came out of the 80s. And uh, I guess what you'd call his style neoclassical, you know. Mm. And um, but his mother was a, quite a celebrated pianist. And uh, and this was her. She played. She used to play oh, it. Beautiful. Um, she played it for about twenty five years, and um, and then Dale used it a lot for recording. And we've we've broken up, and he's moved on. And uh, I'm babysitting it. <laughs> nice. <laughs> we'll see where it wants to go. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's, I've just set up the studio. I've just set up my office in as a studio, so I can start actually recording 
on my own from mm. my studio now. Nice. Which is a really exciting journey. I sort of, um, I, I recorded the Our Father in Aramaic uh, last Christmas, which is the language of my grandfather. That's along the lines of the, the next devotional album I make, it's going to be very still mm. and really a, re a reflection. Even, you know, post-menopause, my voice is dropped down a lot you know and uh i'm recording down in in that kind of deeper place um deeply prayerful kind of place um at the moment and i'm really enjoying it and it's a real reflection a reflection of coming coming in you know mm. to my feminine power and translating that musically yeah from mm -hmm. my roots it was really beautiful to record in Aramaic my grandfather used to sing it all the time we'd go walking along the farm he used to have cows and he would just sing he of his hands behind his back and he'd just sing all the Aramaic prayers mm. we just used to run and listen to him and it was always like a powerfully purifying kind of peaceful energy you know his voice i love to hear men singing to god mm. it's something so special about it you know they transcend all in a sense they transcend the, that masculine the masculinity don't they yeah totally yeah there's a word in sanskrit prakriti prakriti spirit the spirit is essentially feminine and yeah so when you see men in spiritual practice it's very beautiful for us as women to see men integrating you know mm. um, and ascending yeah i i really resonate with what you're saying because you really start to see a softness about them and then you go on tour and you see a whole other side to them <laughs> but it just stays on tour doesn't it sister yeah <laughs> had some experiences um but yeah once you see them up on the stage and they ho they're holding that space. There's a real softness about them. Yeah. yeah, it's beautiful. What the world needs now is more singing. <laughs> what the world more needs singing. now is more singing. <laughs> yes, they do. <laughs> yes. Um, tell us now, well, you've had some incredible um, students as a vocal um coach as we were speaking one of your one of the many things that you offer tell us about some of the students that people can recognize and then now what you're doing with with this training yeah well i um i mean if you're allowed to say what are the artists that you've supported and yeah i think so i i um so that that teaching kind of happened when i moved back from byron in about 96 97 and and i was blessed to stay in my beloved grandmother's house in Wurunga. Mm -hmm. and and so i put one little ad out you know and then just word of mouth kids just started tumbling in from all of the local amazing schools around there and you know when you're in a suburb where the arts are really celebrated and there is some ability to be able to support the arts in children in your children's life it's great, you know, mm. it was just, I, we just had kids traipsing through all afternoon, every, no, every night of the week, weekends, and I would just spent my days just going around and watching the Steadfords, and it, it was just a beautiful thing, actually. Um, and then, um, oh, there goes my smoothie. I'm so excited I just spilled my smoothie. <laughs> um, and then we, I ended up moving to Avalon and uh, Baron Joey High, which is a pretty famous kind of rock and roll school. Yeah. yeah. And I taught Angus Stone um, in year 11 and 12. So we, I mean, he was already very, very clear about his path. You know, he was a man of very few words, um, very quiet. But uh, he and Julia Stone um, played together a lot back then in, in, and we used to have some very fun gigs and, and then he went on to do amazing things. And then I taught uh, Rainy Blake, who is an amazing singer, Eric Larson's daughter. 
Mm -hmm. Lisa Pierce, beautiful actress and um, in her time as their mother. She uh, has just, well, she's in LA and she just uh, finished filming as a character on Nashville, which was just amazing to watch. Mm -hmm. And through the Lionsgate album, uh, sorry, a record company, she recorded her first album. Mm -hmm. And that was really amazing. And her brother Jesse is someone I taught for quite a number of years through the HSC, and he was always very skilled in blues. He's now Jesse Redwig, an extraordinary young gun on the Australian blues scene. And um, I just went to see him playing a couple of weeks ago for the first time in about 10 years, and I was just wow. And, uh, and then the beautiful Danny Ross, um, who yeah. I've worked with and continue to work with at the moment, who's a very inspired, gifted, beautiful. Such a gifted artist, yeah. Extraordinary artist. Yeah. Extraordinary. And it really um, is the tone of the voice, isn't it? Just this resonates with your heart, yeah. Yeah, well, a, a deeply spiritual man. Mm. Well. A deeply sensitive and spiritual man. Mm that reflects in his voice yes yes and so now you're offering these again this is where you'll be dedicating some more of your time yes yes so um so how can people support you and connect with you with this well you can connect with me either via instagram or facebook and carmela baney is my music page um and i'm offering all kinds of sort of situations at the moment where Mm -hmm. i've got workshop beautiful sacred sounds workshop coming up on the 22nd of november in sydney um and then i'm running six-week courses online at the moment uh individual one-on-one six-week courses um and that will give you everything that you need to take away uh a beautiful and strong relationship with your voice if you need it for speech or singing um we care for every occasion Mm. We've got um, some beautiful practices and techniques that are incredible in opening up the voice and discovering all the different layers and dimensions of the voice and finding power and and learning how to use your voice in a way that you can use it endlessly and it's not going to clap out on you, which is a very, you know. It's a very common thing, especially in the bhakti music, isn't it? They they can burn it out the vocal cords yeah i don't know what the exact word is but pop it or (laughs) yeah Yeah, i mean i i used to lose my voice all the time in the music industry because we do hours and hours and hours of playing and the drum kit right next to your head and you know hours in the studio and everyone's smoking all over you and it was actually getting up and doing yoga every morning that would restore my voice it literally Mm restored my voice like I would go to bed sometimes without a voice wake up without a voice do yoga have a voice thank you for the gentle reminder because I I um yeah gentle reminder thank you <laughs> get up and do my yoga practice again <laughs> yeah um, circulatory respiratory eliminatory hmm just yeah I don't I like I said I don't like to represent anymore but I can't help but tout the glories of of yoga for the for the body's instruments so Mm. you know you know it saved me during pregnancy it's just I want to be 97 and be able to tie up my own shoelaces Well, it's integrating the body, mind, soul, and yoga does that very well because we're able to come back into the body, whereas a lot of us are walking around in the head and not in the heart, and the yoga helps us come back into that space, doesn't it? Yeah, any kind of embodied movement, you know, sacred dance, you know, just just mm. movement, finding the flow in the body and knowing when we're stagnant knowing mm. when we're stuck. where the blocks knowing, are yeah knowing where we're stuck and mm. listening to our body and sending love and and opening it up and mm. feeling i mean i think that that's the biggest thing with all of the struggles that we have it's very hard to feel 
you know, to stay with pain, as we know, you know, to be present to pain, to be, to be so present that you're not going off and, you know, doing all these other things to avoid the pain. Mm-hmm. Like going, okay, today I feel like, you know, shite. I'm <laughs> going to get on the mat and see what my body's trying to tell me. Mm, so well said. The only time. Yeah. yeah. Might be the only time in the day you get to to really listen to your body and yeah something we need to remember about staying present i think that's the big one excuse me no that's okay (coughs) Mm. yeah presence Ah, scary (laughs) staying in the present moment is is a big one and yeah, yoga is a great reminder when you're in each movement that you're in the present moment. Yeah, and yeah. and to just watch the stuff, you know, mm. just to watch it. So often a lot of grief comes up when we're doing this kind of work because we're mobilising that stagnant energy, you know, which is what sound healing does. It, you know, it, it breaks up the crystallization of the auric field, you know, that comes like we've got liver anger, you know, it doesn't just sit there, it, it emanates, you know, that liver anger, especially in spring. <laughs> and and what do we do with that? We just sit sit on it, you know. Sit and watch Netflix like, and eat our ice cream and <laughs> drink alcohol and smoke. And and it festers, doesn't it? And festers, it grows. Grows things. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, yeah. <laughs> mold, like literally. Yeah, literally. I mean, it's not funny. It grows mold and it smells and you want to get rid of it. <laughs> but, I mean, it's a great reminder. I remember being, you know, many, I had a very Ashtanga teacher down in Melbourne and, you know, I just used to show up on that mat and there was many days that I was just in tears on the mat and it was okay because that was the space where I was able to grieve and to let it all out, you know. And she used to explain it as we're wringing the organs out of all the toxins. So, you know, side twist, we're getting those organs and twisting them and letting all the guck come out, all the yucky stuff, you know. And if you look at uh, Eastern uh, movement-based psychology um i guess it's like every organ has an intelligence like Mm. you know the stomach is absorbing you know it's not just absorbing food it's absorbing it's how you you know you how how do you stomach things how you can see what's going on around you you Mm. know the pancreas and the spleen they're all about the sweetness you know wanting sweetness and wanting needing you know that's no totally i mean anyone that's craving sugar pancreas is off balance yeah always comes up doesn't it yeah, yeah. and then the kidneys is about your personal power and your energy you know and, yeah. and your life force mm-hmm. um and the kidneys connect to your your hearing and your and they're both even the same shape it's very interesting you know like mm-hmm. the organs and and they have organs for people too, you know. No, organs yeah. have a, a beautiful role to play, and we need to nourish them and nurture mm. them. And, yeah. No, be- another beautifully, beautifully said, Camilla Bainey. Well, I mean, I could talk to you for hours. Um, it was as you said, we literally bumped into each other and I was on the opposite side of the road and there was some, you know, spirit within me was guiding me to look to the right and you had your back to me in someone's property. So I I was just magnetised and I remember walking up to you and you turned around and then we realised what that moment was all about. So, Yeah, yeah, it was beautiful. It was was divine. And I actually, I had just come from a a sound um, healing. (laughs) So... The angels were hooking you up. And yeah, my vibration was expanding. Um, so I will I will share all the links, and I um, it is beautiful to chat with you today. Is there anything else you want to share to 
to yeah i think um because it's nadoc week um you know i i would very much like to honor all the elders past present and future from this land and from the land where you're standing and to you know i guess to say that um the quest for reciprocity still continues mm -hmm. i feel like i still don't know much at all you know but i know that i you know made a song back in 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 the 90s that was very much about my I sense my shame and my grief around our First Nations people. Um, I realised in hindsight that it wasn't my story to tell, but I still wrote that song, Sweet Silence, and we, we actually released that and put it on the charts. Um, and looking back, I, I, I probably might have done it differently or chosen different words at the time, but I, we did what we knew yeah. at the time, you know. Um, and so my respect for First Nations people of this country continues to grow and my inquiry and I guess as Australians, this isn't our soil. I went to Ireland, you know, last year and the year before and I realised, you know, my, our Indigenous roots are a long way from here, you know. Mm -hmm. my, my Lebanese family's roots are a long way from here. My Anglo-Saxon family's roots are a long way from here, the Irish and the Scottish and the English. Um, and, you know, I just, in my humble heart, I hope and pray that we can continue to strengthen reciprocity mm. and our relationship between us tawdry whites. <laughs> Is that the word, tawdry? Beautifully said, yeah. Audrey Whites and uh, our wonderful First Nations people so we can live and grow and learn how to look after this land. Yeah. To respect and nurture this land. Mm. Yeah. Beautifully said. <laughs> it's beautifully said. And I know um, we're both going to be coming up to see Anya Tyrrell, who is a beautiful woman who is also making an impact speaking and sharing with her gifts and her voice about this as well so yeah Absolutely. that is coming up very soon in sydney i should about that we love her storytelling i actually managed to sit in on her uh cyber concert with her father yes on sunday yeah saturday night wasn't it all yeah sunday morning aussie time yes yep it's absolutely enchanting his mm -hmm. songs both of them, of course, she, you know, it was just gorgeous. And uh, I, Ireland, I think, is my new spirit home. It's mm. safe. It's understated. It's You can just get on with your spiritual life quietly and unassumingly. And the music, 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 and the waters are just flowing everywhere. And the history, you know, the beautiful time, like when I last went, I got to experience that time of Ireland, which was the Celtic spirit, the, the Celtic mm -hmm. Christian marriage before the Romans came in and slayed a lot of them. Mm -hmm. <coughs> Excuse me. There was this time in history where the Druids embraced Jesus, you know. Everyone knew who he was. Everyone knew England. He travelled, you know. He travelled up those aisles and Spain and it's all documented, you know, um, and I got to experience that part of history in Ireland, St. Bridget, you know, Bridget the goddess and, and got to experience the Bridget Wells, the sacred wells and got to pray there and got to go to the Neolithic passage tombs, mm. um, you know, 5,000 years old, same, same era as, as Krishna, just over land just over. Yeah, land and country yeah yeah mm. um and just the relationship between the irish and, and australia is extraordinary and the relationship between the the irish religious and um the, our first nations orphans was very very powerful as well mostly nothing but amazing stories about the irish nuns who looked after the children the mm. incredibly beautiful stories actually 
So, yeah, this whole journey with Ireland and then, yeah, connecting with Anya just after she, we were at, on the Aran Islands at the same time and I'd never met her mm-hmm. and she was making this incredible music and I was singing on the island mm. around the time. So, yeah, all very exciting, you know, and I feel very excited about, women supporting women. Well, I think, you know, this wraps it up because we started our conversation with how important these times are and, you know, moving with the flow of who you're connected with and and what your purpose is now and how you're going to show up, you know, what is your intention. So I think it's a beautiful wrap-up that these women now stepping up and sharing their their gifts and their voice for a purpose, you know, with an intention. Yes, and, uh, you know, that thing about, you know, not being polite anymore, <laughs> mm. finding finding that raw truth and allowing it to bubble up and transforming it into art and service and un- uninhibited, you know. Without apologies, yeah. Raw power, mm. and I'm not yeah. talking about cacao. <laughs> <laughs> we love cacao. <laughs> We've had some cacao moments, but you're not talking about that kind of power. You're talking about, you know, being vulnerable and, yeah. Unlimited. Um, I, uh, the, Uncensored, that, yeah. That love is unlimited. That, okay. that love and self-expression are one, that, that we are made of love and that when we speak, it's only, it's all love, all of it. You know, um, let's not be afraid of the of the volcanoes, the earthquakes. As much as we love those gentle streams and pastures and the beauty, we we also love about Mother Earth is her ability to churn it up. You know, and transform. And all those goddesses, including Bridget, the triple headed goddess, she was a goddess of communication, and so. She had the sword and she, you know, that like Durga, uh, they have the sword of truth and they slash through the illusion they, that in that divine aspect and, you know, we learn from that slash through the bullshit and get mm. to the truth. And get to the heart of it, the truth. Yeah. Well said. Yeah. Thank you, Camilla Boney. Thank you, Steffi. It's just been beautiful. Well, thanks for listening. That was Camilla Boney. And um, please support One Space Love podcast and the YouTube channel by hitting the subscribe button, sharing it with people and following the podcast on all the channels that you listen to podcasts. Thanks for listening to Camilla Boney. There are so many more episodes coming out soon. And I look forward to sharing more with you. I'm Steph Pappas, and this is One Space Love Podcast. Your space, my space. Our space. Our space.